We are back in the book of Proverbs today, the book of Proverbs, and as I've mentioned a few times, the book of Proverbs works a little bit differently than other books of the Bible. So as we get into this, let me give you just a little bit of intro here to what we do as a church, and if you're new here to the Sunrise family or maybe haven't been here in a while, or just to review who we are and what we do, we do believe in what's called expositional preaching. So what we do is we just study books of the Bible. So we have a book and we go through one verse, and then the next week we go through the next verse, the next verse and the next verse. And so we go, we do consecutive exposition. We look at what the Bible says. Well, we come to a book like Proverbs and it works a little bit differently because especially after you get past chapter nine of the book of Proverbs, it's a series of pithy statements. We're all familiar with a proverb, these little pithy statements that have a tendency to stick in our brains and teach us really important truths. So we're going to be in Proverbs, but we'll be bouncing around a little bit as we have been doing for the last uh, few weeks. So I started a series on friendship a couple of weeks ago, and then last week I had a friend of mine, Dave Kakish, was here and preached a great sermon on the sluggard. So if you missed that one, you may want to go find that one on the website. I think it was super helpful. I know many of you uh, mentioned that to me as well, so I'm glad that you found that helpful. So I wanted to circle back today and talk a little bit more about friendship, and let's see what Proverbs has to say about friendship. Friendship is an interesting topic, and friends in general is something that we really can't live without. We are social creatures. You may have heard the joke about one of Jesus's really underreported miracles, that he was a man in his 30s and had 12 close friends. And I think we all, <clears throat> we all laugh at that because I think there's something inside of us that can all identify with that, having close friends. You know, not everybody's awesome at making friends. I think we can admit that. And I was thinking about this. Have you ever noticed the double standard that adults have, like, with our kids? You know, our kids, we go out to the playground. It's like, hey, go run over there. You see this little group of friends are on the slide or whatever. It's like, hey, go tell them you want to be their friend and see if you can play with them. But then you put a group of adults in a room. It's like, I'm not going to talk to them. I don't know them. It's kind of funny how we do that. It's like, they'll, they'll, they'll want to play with you. It's like, I'm not talking to that person. Who is that? They're going to think I'm crazy. It's like, well, maybe your kids are like following your lead on that. I don't know. It's interesting. And I think many of us, depending on where you are on the spectrum of your social interaction and how much you just get energized by people or if people tend to drain you, we'll talk a little bit more about that. I've joked with some of you before that if you put me in a room with a group of 100 people... I would much rather you hand me a microphone and say, go say things, than say, hey, just mingle around and find a friend. I'm like, which one? What do I do? Which one do I talk to? And you just, some of us, you'll just kind of stand there until somebody, our extrovert friends, comes and finds us and introduces us and takes us around and helps us get out a little bit. It's funny because I think there's a certain sense of awkwardness in this with all of us, if we care to admit it. It's funny and it's necessary. We all need friends and we all have friends and we're grateful for that. I've mentioned this a couple of times in this study. I consider one of God's tremendous graces in my life is that he's given me good friends. Uh, Friends that I've kept up with for years and years and years. And I am so grateful for that. And if you have good friends in your life, 
don't take that for granted. Give thanks to the Lord that he has given you good friends. It is one of God's graces to us. And I think as we get a little bit older, we start to appreciate and understand that blessing just a little bit more and more every year. Growing up, I heard so many different people talk about friendships and they were always talking to students about peer pressure and following the crowd. And I think those things are still very relevant and important. I remember hearing multiple people tell me, show me who your three closest friends are and I'll show you who you are. And I used to sort of dismiss that thinking, well, you know, I can hang out with whoever I want to hang out with. And it really doesn't have an impact on me, but it does, doesn't it? You ever notice your friend group, you tend to have the same little jokes. You have the same little vocabulary, same things that you think are funny or not funny, same things that you like to watch. Maybe it's shows, maybe it's music books that you read, you tend to become like the people that you're around. It's just how it works. And so with that, that's why Proverbs is so concerned with making sure that you hang out with good people, find good friends in your life. And the implication here is that there's certain people that you just, the book of Proverbs would warn us, you don't need to hang out with because they're going to affect you for bad. And you need to be careful of that. So By way of review, last time, which was two weeks ago, we talked about the types of friends that you don't want to have, all right? So friends to avoid. And when I say friends to avoid, I don't mean be rude to these people. I'm just meaning don't make them your closest associates. Don't let them be your confidants. Don't let them be that person. You know, our social media world has sort of redefined what friends are, right? Uh, We have friends on our, you know, whatever social media accounts that you're using that you've never actually met or had a face-to-face conversation with you. And yet you're friends, you know, in the online digital world. It's a new age that we're living in, and it's really, really doing strange things to us socially. So the friends to avoid, the people that we don't want to be around. And as we go through these, we're going to talk about friends to avoid and then the types of friends to have. And the implication here is that you need to be a good friend too. You need to be friendable. So when you see these descriptions of friends to avoid or friends to be, what we want to do is try to make ourselves those types of people. All right, so friends to avoid, just to review this quickly with you, we want to avoid violent and wicked people, people that are just out to do harm, These verses, I won't read all of them, but they just speak of those who your neighbor, he's resting securely beside you. He doesn't know that you're up to anything, and then all of a sudden you're plotting behind his back. Avoid those people who are out to do wickedness, to shed blood, terrible things. Avoid them. Superficial people. These verses are kind of comical because they're verses that speak about hanging out with somebody just because of their wealth. You have a coworker that suddenly wins the lottery. Hey, what you up to? How was your day? So you want to go grab lunch this afternoon, buddy? And we see this type of thing happening all the time that this person suddenly comes into a huge inheritance and all of a sudden they've got all these friends and the Proverbs speak to that. It's easy for rich people to have friends, but do they really know who their friends are? Because these people are just out to get something. Stay away from angry people. Angry people. Proverbs 22, 24. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. You're going to be like him. You're going to learn his ways. You're going to start acting angry too. 
Have you noticed how contagious attitudes are? If you're around somebody that's just really peppy and joyful all the time, it might annoy you for a moment, but they, have, they rub off on you, don't they? But if you're around somebody that's negative, they're just sour, you know, the Eeyore kind of personality, and they just get to you after a little while as well. They're gonna, they affect you. So be careful who your friends are because they will rub off on you. And then intemperate people. And this speaks to those who are given to excesses in food and drink. Be careful people that don't have any sense of moderation because as you hang out with them, you're gonna learn their ways. So be very careful. So those are the friends to avoid. We don't wanna be around those people. We don't wanna let those people have influence on us. Next, the friends to find. Who are the people that we are looking for and what type of friend do we, one, want to be and then two, what are we looking for out there as far as friends? One, we wanna find wise friends. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. And you can just look these up. I don't have all the scriptures on the screen for you. So as we move along, you can look those up. So if you just go to Proverbs and we'll be back and forth a little bit in Proverbs. So Proverbs 13 and verse 20, it says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. You know, wisdom is one of those things that it's really caught more than it is taught. You can't just learn a bunch of proverbs. You can't just learn a bunch of verses and say, oh, look, I'm wise. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in anything in life, does it? If you want to go be a professional athlete, you can't just read you know, John Wooden's book and all of a sudden you're a basketball player. It doesn't work that way. You have to be around those who know the game to practice. Wisdom's the same way. We want to hang out and be around people with godly reflexes. And it's, a, it's an art. So wisdom, I'll remind you, this was my definition from a few weeks ago. Wisdom, according to the book of Proverbs, is the art of living well, good, and godly. Living well, good, and godly. And I think all three of those are important, and I think all three of those are clear from Proverbs. You're living well. It says that by wisdom, the Lord has created the world and all that's in it. And we live with the grain of the world. We live good, meaning there's an ethical component. There's a practical component. We live well. There's an ethical component. We do the right thing at the right time, no matter what the cost. And then there's a theological or spiritual component. We do the godly thing as well. So living well, good, and godly. We want to be around people who are like that who have wisdom, wisdom to offer. So we want to be around wise friends. Paul talks about this over in 1 Corinthians 15. And interesting here, the context of 1 Corinthians 15 is he's setting the record straight on the resurrection and the necessity of the resurrection to the gospel story. And his argument in a nutshell is that if you don't believe in the resurrection, then you don't actually believe the gospel is true because the resurrection is essential to the gospel. And interestingly, right in the middle of this whole conversation, he, he speaks to the people that you are around. And I think there's a doctrinal component to this too. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. We could also say bad company ruins good theology as well. 
Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. Like, hey, be careful who you're hanging out with, because they will affect the way and what you believe, and they will affect your very moral code, your moral compass, as it were. People affect you for better or for worse. So back to Proverbs 13, we walk with the wise, we become wise. It's not enough just to learn some things. We actually have to walk with the wise. The idea is that you spend time with them. You are in their lives. Walk with the wise and you will become wise. People who are wise, they have what I'd, I've been calling, I've referred to this a couple of times, you have godly reflexes. You may not know a godly person when something comes across. They may not immediately have a chapter and verse to spout out to you, but they've been shaped by the word of God and by God-like things and godly people that their reflexes are wise and godly and shaped by the scriptures. Many of you, depending on your backgrounds, maybe it's in the military or maybe in athletics or even at your jobs, whatever it is that you do, you, you have certain things that you're just trained, muscle memory, you just do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And you're, you're just sort of on autopilot. Your reflexes are to do this whatever particular thing. I probably shouldn't tell this story on myself, but you guys will find it funny, so it's fine, I guess. One night, Mindy and I were going out on a date, and I'm driving down Beach Boulevard, and uh, we're going down to a restaurant, I don't even remember which one, down at the beach. And I turn off, and she says, where are you going? I said, the boat ramp. <laughs> like, oopsie, wrong trip. <laughs> wrong trip. Muscle memory. <laughs> Trained myself to follow this path like an old horse, you know, following his way back to the barn. That's where I was. You train yourself, and you probably find yourself having certain responses to people, certain situations that you just, you don't, you don't even think about what you're saying. You're just responding. And so my, my question for us is, are we putting ourselves around people with godly reflexes? We got a big season coming up here in just a couple of days, and I appreciated Nathan's prayer for our election and praying for our political leaders. There's certain people I just I want to hear from after a major event happens. There's certain people I don't want to hear from after a major event like uh, election happens or world events or some sort of crisis. I want to hear from people who are shaped by the word of God and have godly reflexes. Those are the people I need to surround myself with. And you do too. Because if you're not surrounding yourself with those kinds of people, they are, you are being shaped by something else. And so we need that desperately. All right. So what kind of friends do we want? It's self-evident from Proverbs, but we want wise friends around us, people with godly reflexes. Next. Now, these two are funny. And as Dave reminded us last week, there's humor in the, in the book of Proverbs. And I want you just to appreciate these for what they are. All right. So let's just have some fun looking at these things. What else are we looking for in friends? We're looking for socially discerning friends. All right, I'll give you a second to find those. It's been said that you, by the time you're an adult or at least older adolescent, you should probably be able to answer two basic questions about yourself. 
am I a morning person or a night person? Am I an introvert or am I an extrovert? All right. Now we make too much of these distinctions. I get that. But you need to know, am I a morning person or a night person? I'm not a morning person, but most of my life happens early in the morning, so I have adjusted my life to fit what it needs to be. I will rise, but I am not shining early in the morning. No shining here, but I'm up. But left to my own devices, I'm not one that pops up and goes running around the house handing out compliments and hugs at six in the morning just ain't happening. If you need that type of affirmation, don't come to my house at six in the morning. You won't get it. I'll hand you a cup of coffee and hand you a book to read and say, I'll be with you in a little while. So I resonate with this particular verse, Proverbs 27, 14. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted as cursing. (laughs) I need that. We need that on coffee mugs around here. Blessing your neighbor With a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it will be counted as cursing. He's speaking a blessing, but because of the timing and perhaps the tone of the blessing, it's not interpreted as a blessing, it's interpreted as a cursing. Good morning, it's so good to see you. Like, no, it's not. (laughs) Not yet. Give it a minute. Let the caffeine do its work. A few years ago at our men's retreat, some of you know this story. A few years ago at our men's retreat, I was sleeping on the back porch of the cabin, and a few of our guys were having some trouble sleeping. And so at 4.30 in the morning, they decided to serve the rest of the community and go out and chop wood and start a little fire early in the morning. Well, they didn't know I was asleep on the back porch just right around the corner. And I said, gents, you were doing a good thing and you were doing it at the wrong time. (laughs) The next year, I actually put on our men's retreat flyer, no chopping wood before 7 (laughs) a.m. It's a good thing at the wrong time. Next one. This one's funny as well. Proverbs 25, 17. Proverbs 25, 17. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Now, we've been in a season here of highlighting our small groups, and I really didn't mean for the timing of this to coincide with looking at this verse, because we do want you to come to small groups. We think it's extremely helpful. This one's really interesting. I want you to, in order to help us, I think, interpret this one rightly, look just above this in 2516. So if you're there, just look one verse above. It says, if you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit. All right, so do you see what he's doing here? I think these two actually go together. You have a good thing, and it's too much of a good thing. You found some honey, that's great. In a land before processed sugars and corn syrup and such, this was the candy of the day. It's the sweetest thing that was available. You found some honey. This is great. Just eat enough, though. Otherwise, you're going to pay the consequences later. You're going to feel terrible. Some of our kids understood this just this week, right? They found pots of honey all around the neighborhood. And then at 2 a.m. the next day, they were feeling it. If you found this honey, eat just enough, because otherwise it's going to make you sick. And then the next verse... Let your foot seldom be in your neighbor's house. That's the honey. It's good. Fellowship's good. It's sweet. It's right. 
It's awesome. But don't ever do it. That's the point. <laughs> don't ever do it. We, we have a saying that we use as well. And you all know it. We say, don't wear out. You're welcome. Yeah, a little proverbial statement that we, we, know, we know this. This is exactly the same thought. Too much of a good thing is not a good thing. Don't let it be that. You know, one other proverb that I think relates to this, these two ideas of being socially discerning. We've talked about this one before, but I think this one's so helpful, and I just keep coming back to it because Proverbs is really concerned with the right thing, what's fitting for the moment, what's appropriate. Proverbs 25 and verse 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. It's beautiful imagery. Just the person that says the right thing at the right time. And you can't always tell somebody exactly what is the right thing to say at the right time. But you want to be the kind of person that has taken in God's word, been shaped by God, been shaped by godly thoughts, so that you're the type of person that can just say the right thing at the right time. It doesn't have to be a lot sometimes. Sometimes it's just a very, very little. Sometimes it's just, I care for you and I'm praying for you. Somebody that's going through a hard time. What is a word fitly spoken? I was trying to flesh this out a little bit as I was thinking about this. I think it has to do with this. You're saying the right word, so the right thing, not just a word, but the right message at the right time, all right? Not early in the morning for some, not late at night for some. It's the right message, the right time to the right person, Some people don't need to hear the message that you've crafted so eloquently in your mind. It's not, that person doesn't need that. So am I speaking to the right person? Am I the right person to be delivering this particular message at this right time and with the right tone? So I think that sort of encompasses a lot of Proverbs, the right word at the right time to the right person from the right person with the right tone. I think if we'll concentrate on that, I think it would be extremely helpful for us. So this proverb, lest he have his fill, you've worn out your welcome. What's the point in bringing these two up? Blessing your neighbor loudly in the morning, not hanging out at your neighbor's house too long. What's the point in bringing those up? Well, number one, it's in the Bible and it's valuable because it's in the Bible. And I think it's extremely helpful and relevant, whatever we find in Proverbs. Two, I think there's something underlying this and this is really what I wanna try to get to. In a relationship, as we have friendships, we need to be the types of friends that are concerned with the other person's interest and not only our own interest. So there's no one-size-fits-all approach to what you say, when you say it, how you do it, and we need to learn to interact with one another in a way that considers what would that other person want. Gospel community requires that we take some time to understand each other and our own interests to love someone like yourself, learn how to minister to them. All right, so friends to find. We want wise friends. We want to be those friends. We also want to find them. Socially discerning friends, we want to be those people. We also want to find them. Next, let's talk about humble and honest friends. I'm gonna take these together and I've only got a couple of verses. I have many more in my notes that I could share with you if you're interested more on this later, but I just want to share two with you. 
humble and honest. We need to be the types of people who are both willing to receive criticism and also willing to give out criticism. Ray, Ray Ortland, on, in his book on Proverbs, I found this quote. I just found it funny because I, I think it resonates with all of us. Ray Ortland said it this way. Our various family backgrounds left every one of us at least a little weird. So we need an honest friend from outside the tightly knit family to round us out. <laughs> our family backgrounds have left us all a little weird. And if you're looking around and thinking everybody's weird but me, watch out. <laughs> we need somebody outside the tightly knit family to round us out. You need other people with different perspectives. So let's look at just two of these examples here. 12.1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Yes, that word is in the Bible. He who hates reproof is stupid. The fool refuses correction, just outright refuses correction. Their immediate response is defensiveness, to push back, to fight back. I didn't do that. That's the fool. Don't be like the fool. Let's go to 27, 5 and 6. It says this, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Open rebuke is better than hidden love. That's a profound statement. People say, well, somebody's maybe obviously walking in sin. They're obviously on a self-destructive pattern in their life. You say, well, should I deal with this or should I just love them? That is a false distinction. If you love them, you will help them. It's not unloving to stop traffic if the bridge is actually out. In fact, it's very loving. It's inconvenient, but it's much more inconvenient if the bridge is actually out and dangerous. We have to be willing to do this. It's not loving to watch somebody in a self-destructive pattern. Sam Albury, he said it this way, unconditional affirmation and unconditional love are not the same thing. So unconditional affirmation and unconditional love are not the same thing. To demand the former is to exclude the latter. Did you get that? Unconditional affirmation and unconditional love are not the same thing. To demand the former is to exclude the latter. If you say, you have to affirm everything that I believe and say, or you're not loving to me, he says, I can't actually love you well because sometimes I might have to confront and you might have to as well. That's a mouthful. We understand that. Imagine that, you know, somebody like me, let's just say I'm training for the next Olympics to be a sprinter. Makes sense for all of us, right? I mean, I've been told I kind of have the build for that. Maybe not. <clears throat> Let's just say, um, so I hire a coach and I, I hire a trainer and say, hey, I need, I need you to help me get ready. But here's the thing. I want you to help me get ready, but we're going to do this a little bit differently. You can only say positive things to me, all right? Nothing negative, Okay, so you, you can only affirm me. You can't ever tell me anything that I'm doing wrong, but you can only affirm me. Is that, is that gonna go anywhere? No, of course it isn't. And I think the same thing is true in our Christian lives as we have community around us. We need to be willing sometimes, 
And we don't want to make a habit or a hobby of it. We don't just love this, but we need to be willing to speak to someone and say, you know what, that you're, you're not walking in obedience to the Lord in this. And this is a problem. You got to be willing to say it and we got to be willing to receive it. So two levels I want you to think about on that. One is your reaction if somebody brings something to you. And here's what I want you to think about. If you've had this experience where somebody's come to you and said, I want to talk to you about this, what was your reaction? Immediate defensiveness? Was it hearing them out? And I'm not even asking you to necessarily agree with the person that brought something to you, but were you willing to hear them? Were you willing to say, I could be wrong on this? That's really the diagnostic, all right? So are we willing to receive it and are we willing to say it if it needs to be said? It needs to be said with a lot of love, a lot of tenderness, a lot of compassion, a lot of patience, but sometimes you just gotta say it. You gotta cash in the capital in that friendship and say it, all right? These are the types of friends you want in your life. I want these friends in my life, humble and honest friends. Next, we are also looking for loyal friends, friends that aren't gonna leave you as soon as something better comes along. It's an interesting couple of Proverbs here. Loyal friends, 27 verse nine. It says, oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. All right, it starts out with oil and perfume, these luxuries. It says, you know what is better than these luxuries, though? This oil and perfume. What's better than that in the ancient world? A good friend. A good friend is better than that. And I think many of you can affirm that if you've got a real good friend in your life. Better than any luxury you can have. Then he says, don't forsake your father's friends. Your family, these connections, and in the ancient world, family connections were so strong and tight, and some of you may come from families that are a little bit more, more tightly, uh, tightly wound, uh, tight integrated uh, families than maybe some uh, come from. But this, was, this is an admonition, like, hey, even if you grow up and leave, like, don't torch your hometown. You, you might need those people one day. Uh, you, you might, that, that might be a, a, something that, that is important to you one day. I remember as a kid, I got drug around all over the place. And I can't tell you how many of my parents' friends that I met. And I was just a little dude, just like smile and say, hi, hi, you know. And then they'd start talking about adult things and you just stand there, stand there, stand there, stand there. Am I right, kids? <laughs> Y'all know how it goes over there. But you know what? To this day, some of those people that I met when I was this tall, if I needed something, I could pick up the phone and call them right now and they would respond. It's an amazing thing. Friendships are amazing. These family ties are amazing. And Solomon is tapping into that and saying, this is how the Lord has created the world and relationships to function. Very important. He talks about how these are, uh, how it works and how relationships work. He also says in verse 10, do not forsake your friend and your friend's brother and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. 
Better is a neighbor who's near than a brother who's far away. Now, why would you not go to your brother first? And I think the point is right there in the verse that your brother may be far away. They may not be available immediately to help you with whatever it is that you need. It's interesting. Your friends choose you. Your family doesn't. You're born into your family. You choose who your friends are. You choose who you keep up with. And that has something special built into it as well. Lastly, we need to find loving friends in our lives. Friends that will love us unconditionally. Friends who love us even though they know us very well. These are the types of people that we want in our lives. Unfortunately, we've reduced the idea of love down to an emotion. You just feel it. It's something completely passive. I fell into love as if you were just walking along your path one day and suddenly a sinkhole opened up and you just fell in. Well, I guess I'm in love now because I fell into it. Like, well, if that's your concept of love and it's completely emotional, I'm not saying there's no emotion to it. There is. If that's your concept of love, though, like, what if you end up crawling out? What if, you know, what if the sinkhole fills up and you get back out of love? Like, love is more than that. It's a commitment. It's a choice. And that's the biblical idea of love. Proverbs 17, 17 says it this way. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. They are born to take on our griefs and sorrows as we face life. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I wanted to end talking about love and this idea of unconditional love, because this will lead us into our communion time together today. God shows his love to us, and love from a biblical perspective, as we've mentioned, is not simply an emotional thing. God did not just tell us that he loved us. God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only son so that we can be saved. Romans 5, 8, but God shows or demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us the love that God has for his children. Jesus told his disciples, I no longer call you slaves, but sons. You are my friends now. He's the ultimate friend. Jesus is our ultimate friend. He's the friend of sinners. And he gave himself for us. No greater love has anyone than one who would lay down his life for his friends as Jesus did for us. Today we get to celebrate communion. We're moving back towards passing out the elements this morning. So in just a moment, I'll invite our elders up and we're gonna bring the elements to you.